A basketball poisoned to the touch knocks out a point guard before they can make a game-winning free throw. It's the very definition of a foul play. The player points to the scoreboard as their career ends in death. Is it a clue to the murder? Is it a hint at the motive? No. It's Dying Message, the detective anime mystery podcast. Welcome to Dying Message, where each week we watch detective anime along with a mystery guest. Today's case, Detective Academy Q, episode 24 and 25, The Cursed Idol. I'm your lead investigator, Noah Max Levine, and if you are a producer at the USA TV Network listening to this podcast, I have a great pitch for a Case of the Week murder mystery TV show about a podcast host who solves murder mysteries. Joining me is our resident anime expert, Michael Savitsky, who continues to live with me and watch a lot of anime. Last episode, we changed your title up just to change things up, yes. and we decided you were captain of the podcast. Yeah, I missed an opportunity to be the conductor of the podcast since that episode was about trains. <laughs> you, you sure did. Oops. Um, how do you feel about returning to being just the resident anime expert? Okay, let's do it. That's fine. <laughs> I'll give up my power as the captain. Yeah, you had like double votes. It's too you... much for me. It's too much. It's you too to much. steer the ship. Yeah, I, um, I want to downgrade again. Well, take it away, resident anime expert. Show us what you got. Well, uh, we have to talk about idol culture this week because uh, that's what we're we're visiting the the whole Japanese idol culture. Uh, I don't know if you know anything about it at all, Noah. But uh, only where it's interacted intersected with anime because often there's there's always these opening themes, and I know sometimes they're recorded by idol groups. And I've seen sometimes where idol groups then also voice characters, but yeah, I don't I know mean, much more than that. The the two openings to the show are two wonderful examples. Like the first one was a, a girl who won uh, an idol contest, and there's plenty of those. Something like a, yeah. a low-rent version of American Idol. Uh, and then <laughs> the, the, the current theme is uh, sung by this very... Uh, corporate manufactured group of models and that's really it's like a trifecta it's the it's the singing uh the modeling and the voice actressing slash regular uh acting uh is sort of a whole thing <sighs> it's like a very of, corporate yeah it's very corporate it's very uh there's like a big fan base for it very there's very much people who are into going to these concerts and events and we actually see that in today's episode one of the events uh, for this idol group, who I was surprised none of these idols have anything to do with the two opening themes or the people who sing them. I was a little disappointed by that. They just got other people in. Yeah, I know yeah. you were over there doing like a full um, research. Oh yeah, on I was all researching actors. I researched all of them, uh, so <laughs> nothing too exciting. Uh, but yeah, so the, the whole sort of mixing with idol culture and anime started like back in the late seventies, early eighties, where we had uh, some singers who started to appear on anime uh on mobile suit gundam on touch which is an older baseball anime uh, and then you really see them merging with space fortress macross where they literally have a, an actress who is not only an idol but she's playing lin min may and she enters the miss macross contest and becomes an idol and uses music to save the earth uh, yeah, it's you, a whole thing you've told me about that before it sounds real wild it's real wild is it gi giant robots playing instruments that's uh, Macross F? No. Okay, so it has happened. <laughs> it has happened. 
oh, which Macross is that? There's a lot of Macross, and it gets progressively more about music to the point where in the more recent one, there's just singers flying out with jetpacks and singing on the battlefield while robots fight aliens. It's real crazy. Well, let's Macross the bridge Oof. into uh, talking about detective anime. And to do that, we've brought on a great guest today. Really excited to have him here. So let's introduce him. Our guest this episode is a local Philly comic. He performs in the improv comedy show Study Hall, and one time he was caught in the case of the Lost Lion King. I've cracked it. It's Keen Cobb. Hey, how's it going? Oh, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's a weird question to ask nowadays. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh <laughs> No, it's good. I just, uh, you came right in with a question. I like have a list of questions to ask you, so. Oh, no problem. I'm, I'm here for it, so. Uh, how's it going? <laughs> uh, pretty good. Uh, I'm trying to stay as busy as possible, learning some new stuff. Uh, yeah, pretty good. Yeah, I know we've met each other through Philly Comedy, but, and we would often like bump into each other out and about in the world, but that's just not happening these days. Nah. Unfortunately, no, that is not the case anymore. Um, have you picked up any? So you said you're like trying to learn some stuff. So do you have like a particular quarantine hobby you've picked up? Uh, the, the biggest thing I've probably picked up is a few words in Arabic. Uh, I've been trying to learn since maybe I'm going to say May or June. And only ones I got yeah. down so far is beautiful, uh, which is Janine. Wonderful is uh mumtaz and i know that's amazing but same thing and then i think with torsion means um translator but that's all i got so far neat and i will say just for reference we're recording this in the early september 2020 which is why we're still 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 talking about quarantine um keen so i want to ask you about anime are there particular anime that you've watched how much of an anime person are you i think i've been watching the classics for the most part, because uh, I remember first time I knew I was watching anime, I think it was like Dragon Ball uh, when I was in grade school. Um, yeah, I, I didn't quote unquote know like the term anime just yet. Um, but before that, I think I watched Ninja Scroll when I was like maybe eight or nine, and I was way too oh, young to no. watch that. Yeah, <laughs> that's not the age to watch Ninja Scroll. Way too young to watch that. I, as, I mean, since since you know what I'm talking about, it's a few scenes. I'm like, I shouldn't be watching this like it was, it was mike knows what quick. you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> did we just discuss this a previous episode yeah someone's someone had a very similar experience to you it was like their father watching ninja scroll in the other room yeah, i'm pretty sure there's a guy in the early scenes of that movie that bites someone's booby off i think that happens yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah uh maybe that's why i stayed away from anime for so long until uh until I found Dragon Ball. But since then, uh, Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, uh, Naruto. I got into a certain, like, I love Toonami. Uh, Toonami yeah. was huge for me. Uh, Roroni Kenshin. Uh, Ronin Warriors was huge. Uh, and that was back when I didn't know what anime was. I thought it was just a cool, cool-looking uh, regular cartoon. And, but lately, my favorites have been, it took me a while to get into it, but My Hero Academia. Uh, Slam Dunk is one of my all-time favorites and uh kuroko no basket is like a is like a really 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 good for me because i love basketball so those are my anime picks and i hate saying this but i hate bleach <laughs> and people people that love bleach get mad at me when i say 
It's literally this. Every season is the same story. Someone gets kidnapped and they got to fight a bunch of people. And maybe because they're all using swords, I get bored. But I don't know. But yeah, I hate I hate Bleach. I typically don't get into those long running Shonen anime anymore just because I've done so many of them. But when Bleach first started, mm-hmm. I loved Bleach. But very quickly, I grew to have no yeah. interest in Bleach at all. It just it was so ri- rinse and repeat. Yeah. Bleach is like a ghost hunter. Good. It, it starts off ghosts. as like a ghost hunter, but then it's really just we're fighting with magic swords, oh, and see. it's in the afterlife. But that's pretty incidental. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> oh man. Now we're not particularly sports anime people. I actually don't know if I've seen much at all. What is like? What makes a good basketball anime a good basketball? Uh, anime? Initially, I didn't want to. I'll say this. initially, I didn't want to watch uh, Kuroko because I thought. I love Slam Dunk because it was so, like, I hate saying it for an anime, but, like, realistic. Where, like, no one had, like, superpowers or um, crazy ability. <laughs> yeah. But then when I got older and the more more basketball that I played, I realized, like, certain athletes or whenever, whenever you play any kind of sport, it's, something, it's a part of that sport that you're good at. So I looked at uh, their, quote, unquote, powers or abilities, how you would apply that from, like, a fighting anime to a basketball anime where, like, in a fighting anime, it's like life or death. And then for basketball, that's how a basketball player thinks. Like they have to win this game. Like there's nothing, there's no other option. So that's their life or death. And that's what made me get into uh, Kuroko probably like last year. I think I, I think I started watching it. So yeah. So you're not into like the high super powered sports anime like uh, Inazuma Eleven or Captain Tsubasa where they do crazy things. That's the sound of those titles just <laughs> going right over my head. I don't know them very well either. But there's a Captain Tsubasa video game coming out very soon, and I watched a clip where a guy kicked a ball, and then he just sort of casually stood on top of it and rode it across the field. And I'm like, that's not how yes, physics that's works. That's too much. Like, the, the, <laughs> the wildest thing that, that Kuroko will do is, like, uh, like depending on your ability or that ability of the person, is, like, uh, he can pass really, really well, so they call it, like, the eagle eye, or he can shoot, so they call it limitless shot, which... Yeah. In real life, guys are like their guys and girls are like that. We're like they're really good at passing or dribbling or shooting. So I can like, all right, cool, that's believable enough. I can I can watch it. But if you're riding the basketball down the court, I can't. <laughs> I can't do that. Yeah, I guess the thing that I'm thinking of now is Space Jam because there was some basketball in that, and also aliens and Looney Tunes with exactly. weird cartoon abilities. Mm-hmm. So that's one that's one half of the puzzle here. The other half is mystery. So I don't know, are you much of a mystery person at all? Like there's books, TV shows, true crime podcasts, murder mystery dinner parties. I'll be honest with you, uh I blame my mom for me liking like uh I'm not how can I say it? I don't seek it out, but if it's on or I hear of a good one, I'll pay attention to it. So like um the biggest mystery kind of thing I got into might have been my mom watching either uh what was it it was murder she wrote and the not not the dick van dyke show but he was in it i forgot what it was called though he was a uh he was a doctor but he solved mysteries it was ridiculous uh i can't remember what it was called but it was like he was like i said he was a doctor his son was like a detective and he would help him with like random stuff so like if it's all diagnosis murder that's it there it is thank you thank you diagnosis just the title diagnosis murder what the it's 
<laughs> yeah. So. Michael, looking things up on the internet, brought to you by Verizon Fire. <laughs> but I do remember it as being one of those things that was on, like, while you're on Channel 4 while you're turning on video games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't watch it, but I know it exists. Yeah. All those shows are great, like, just tune in and catch an episode, turn your mind off sort of thing. Um Cool. So I'm really curious to see kind of how this read for you, having the anime and the mystery stuff. You're m- probably more of an anime person than a mystery person. Yeah. Uh, have you seen before now any like detective anime or mystery anime stuff? I'll be honest with you, not really. But one of my friends, uh, former coworker, he kind of opened my mind up to like, because like growing up, you think anime is like mostly because most of the imports were like fighting anime and then they started doing like, sports. Yeah. And then Pokemon blew up, Digimon, stuff like that. Um, but there's so many genres and subgenres. Like, one anime, I can't remember what it's called, and I feel bad for that. It's like, it's two scientists studying the the believability and love. That's the whole thing. And it's like, this shit is so cute, and I want to watch it. Like, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, I start, I start seeing how, like, real leveled normal based anime and with what i watched the two episodes i watched i really enjoyed what i saw it looked like it might have been from like the 80s though like the style but it's still it was still good yeah there's that slice of life and there's there's all these genres detective anime is relatively small i would say in terms of the number of shows out there yes yeah, just super curious to see kind of how that read for you and and what you make of it i mean the show overall i i enjoyed it I enjoyed the once it's, it feels weird saying about animation, like the realism in it, how there were, there was no superpowers involved. There was no, like he had a bloodline ability to figure this out. No, he really just took all the clues in, really paid attention, remembered certain facts and then solved it, which was really dope. This is really crossing the line. And what I'm really excited to talk about this episode today is because I feel like it did veer. Like this is one of the most anime plots we've had yeah just because uh there's a lot of plot twists in the last 10 minutes that are <laughs> yeah. super funky let's move on so we can start talking about that um like i said we're talking about detective academy q episodes 24 and 25 we always spoil the mystery so if you have it in your mind to watch it and you you want to be surprised you should do that first but of course you're welcome to let us spoil that for you here the opening song. I think we're at a point where like Michael doesn't really like it, and I do like it. So you you get to cast the deciding vote. Oh, I fucking loved it. It was amazing, and I don't want to give anything up to really. But I love the fact that they're selling. They were selling it too. Like I would buy it. Like if I was watching it as a yeah. child, I'd ask my mom, "Can I buy the CD? Like, can I get this?" So you were talking about the giveaway at the end of the first episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were doing like send us a postcard, and you could win the single for this opening that we've. Uh, this this opening was also used uh, to advertise Happy Meals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's such a happy, bouncy song. <laughs> a fashion magazine put together a group of models and had them sing, and the the music video is literally them wearing clothes, and it's I don't know, it rubs me the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, this was definitely the kind of thing where I would be like, Mom, I want to write this postcard and get this free CD, and she'd be like, Um, maybe let's not do that. <laughs> I don't know. Would your parents have helped you send that postcard? My parents didn't let me send anything to Zoom, so I would doubt they would let me send anything to Japan. So no, they they would not. (laughs) Yeah. Send that postcard in the mail to Japan. So once we're past the opening song, it is a fun one. Check it out on YouTube if you haven't already. Lovely merry-go-round. We get right into kind of this mystery 
And let's start by talking about the main character, Q. We can talk about some of the other characters when they come in in the second episode. Keen, what was your take on Q, like, seeing him throughout these two episodes? I felt like he was, he was like the, the prototypical anime main character. Like, young, yep, brash, kind of super nervous, like, super nervous around, uh, around the opposite sex. Um, only factor he didn't have, which I want to see in every one of my heroes, he wasn't hungry. Like, uh, like every hero was super hungry. Naruto, uh, um, Goku, uh, Luffy, all of them, super hungry. He wasn't hungry. I don't even know if he ate anything. Like, I sound like a mother now, but did you eat? Like, I'm not even sure if he did. But besides that, I think he was a really good uh, main character. He did have a scene where he ate a piece of bread. Yeah. <laughs> He wasn't super hungry for it, though. He just ate it at normal speed. <laughs> if you're a hero, you have to eat bowls of rice, damn it. Like, just nonstop. <laughs> I think what it is is that he's just hungry for mysteries. Ah. So pretty much everything he does. I could come to, to think of it, we, we had a whole food episode, and I don't think anybody ate during that episode either. No. <laughs> the other thing I'll say now is we he's, he comes to this village to investigate this murder on essentially his vacation. So he is like that nerd yeah. who is taking his week of vacation to do more school activities, <laughs> um, which in this case is solving the mystery. Mm -hmm. Michael, I didn't ask you to, to remind us what this show is about. Oh, Detective Academy Q, why it's the adventures of uh, a bunch of uh, high school age-ish, some younger, some older kids who are now attending DDS, the Don Detective School, uh, which is uh, after school school where they uh are learning to be detectives and they solve uh murder mysteries while in peril great now let's uh thank you michael i'm sorry i forgot to ask <laughs> let's keep moving right so he's he's doing this on his vacation he's gone to the city of karuizawa karuizawa which not super uh interesting it's uh mostly a summer resort town in the nagano prefecture where people from tokyo go like into like the country, I'm doing air quotes for summer vacation, but it's also super commercialized. So yeah, um, and so he comes here, and he's followed by another character from their rival class. Class they're in class Q. Their rivals are in class A, and one of the people sees him looking this up and follows him here. That is Yukihira. Thoughts on Yukihira? I think Yukihira. I think she's like that. That not prototypical, but like a classic anime. I don't know if I want to use the word trope, but like super determined, uh, headstrong. Um, but she's hiding the fact that I not only use the word love, but hiding the fact that she she's digging the main character. Like the way she was um, like blushing in one of the scenes, like that's super dumb, obvious. But of course, the main character is too dumb <laughs> to notice. But, you know, well, she even early on, she's like, I'm interested in you. In your mystery-solving abilities, that is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Come on. <laughs> she wasn't like this in her introduction episodes, but she's a total tsundere in, in this uh, episode, and I'm not... I don't, I don't love it. And that means? <laughs> it's, the it's the anime trope-ish character of she acts like she hates you, but she really likes you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. the prickly, but soft underneath kind of character. The other interesting thing, Keen, is... Uh, in the second episode, we see there's like the five main characters who are in class Q. There's also five characters in class A. So Yukihira is like, Q is like the leader of class Q and she's like the leader of class A. So they're like set up in that way to be rivals or, or whatnot. And the, the, she's like, look, I'm here to beat you. We're going to 
I'm going to solve the mystery first. Let's make it a challenge. And so they do some of the initial running around together, and then they're going to split up later in the episode. Yeah, she was creeping on him at the beginning of the episode. Like, yeah. you might not have clocked it, but when he was looking up the case, she was, like, in the doorway, like, ooh, I'm a, I'm a mysterious, mysterious, mysterious shadow. <laughs> um, the, other, you. the other thing I love about these two episodes is the presence of the character Nanami. And we see him, or we do see him early on. Keen, I imagine this was maybe one of the more confusing things that happened over the course of the episode. He, at first, we saw him with, like, the hat and the white hat and the white coat. And then he disguises himself as the is godzilla for much of the episode yeah well to avoid copyright they named him uh gejira or gedzilla i guess <laughs> oh you would right if you were <laughs> if you were uh transliterating it in the same way <laughs> um so he's like one of the teachers at the school he's a disguised person we'll keep an eye out him on him for throughout yeah his main role i think in the show is to sort of like allow the students to be in peril but to let the audience know they're never really in da- we're not really endangering yeah, children he's keeping because i'm here them. to save them if things get worse that's his main role so so he's here he's he's walking around he's he's looking at things um and now we get now we're going to get all the setup for the mystery we're here in this city where there is a 40th anniversary film of this film studio and there's this idol group one of them is going to get to be the lead character in the film now one of them was murdered in a locked room previously and that's why our characters are here is to investigate that yep but they're still all competing for this spot and we're told that basically the motive is probably that someone wants to be in this movie yeah, let, let's introduce the suspects. Let's do that next. Okay, you you give the suspects, and I'll give you my nicknames for all of them. <laughs> Keen, how did you keep track of the different suspects? Because they're all kind of like different idols, mostly, and I had a lot of t- trouble telling them apart. My biggest thing with, uh, with anime is try to keep track of the hairstyle. Because, like, yeah. <laughs> the hairstyle will definitely help. Because in anime, you literally, any you can have any skin tone and any color hair. like. You could be born with pink or green or purple hair. So I just try to keep track of I mean, the only names I remember was like Q, Ryu, and that might be it. Cause just because that they sound similar and Ryu from, from Street Fighter. So that's probably the only reason why I remember those names. Right. Ryu has blue hair. Mm-hmm. So we'll come to him later. That's a good tip. So the client who invited them here is Reika Kurita. Client John. Yeah, she's the sister of the uh, member of the idol group who was killed in the locked room not too long ago. Dead sister John. The dead sister had received a threat letter with your classic, like, cut out from a magazine. Of course, it's Japanese kanji that was cut out from Japanese magazines on this letter. Um, and the then we kind of meet these other people in the idol group and also their manager. So the next one is Momoko Tachikawa. High school dropout, Chun. She was 17 when she <laughs> dropped out of school to participate. Um, I, I, yeah, I referred to her as the young one. I thought of her as the young one. Yeah. Oh, but I don't remember what kind of hair she had. Oh, she had short, short, like short, short hair. Yes. Yes. She wore too much makeup. They all did. Yeah. <laughs> um, next is Nagisa Takamura. Southern Belchon. Mm, she yeah. comes from a rich... <laughs> she comes from a rich family. Yeah, Mike, Mike is on it. <laughs> um, she spent a lot of time in the U.S., so she like is fluent in English. She's from a rich family. Seems like the kind of person that might become an idol. Mm-hmm. Natsumi Yamazaki. Uh, probably older Chan. This was a really interesting introduction. Right, because they, they were like, she's 20 on paper. 
Sorry, they were just like very uh very snarky <laughs> and q pretty much looks at her and's like she's got legs for days hmm. q the, is uh, in rare form with his perving out in these episodes right well it's one of the elements of pairing him up with yukihira is like she's a girl and they're surrounded by girls yeah because they're all idols and yeah at this point like yukihira is has like had it with him ogling all of these idols but they they meet the last character who is a Jiro Oi, a Jiro Oi, the manager. So those are our four suspects. Really, five if you count the client as potentially being suspicious. Next, we're going to investigate the crime scene. What did we see? What do we see at the crime scene? Uh, I just saw a bed. Uh, pretty pretty bare bare minimum room. Yeah, they're small, creepy little rooms with the tatami mat floors. Uh, the lock which was broken because they forced their way in. They confirm right away, can't be open from the outside with a wire, can't be done. So yeah. it's a confirmed lock room. There's a little window, but the window ha- is ver- it's too small to slip through, and also there's bars on it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of barred windows in this anime, and I don't see that a lot <laughs> in yeah. the world. And you mentioned the tatami mat floors. That's a very Japanese thing. Like they're- So they're all sleeping on the floor. Mm-hmm. What-, what exactly is a tatami mat? Just like a, a woven bamboo mat. Uh, it's used... Uh, it's sort of a traditional flooring. Yeah, uh, they're they're not like built in. Like they they can pop up, off and on if they need to be replaced. Like I have a reference of them from watching anime, and I've been reading J- Japanese mystery novels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and they'll be like, yeah, this room has eight. Is the floor is made up of eight tatami mats, and I can visualize it because I've seen it in anime. But I like I wouldn't know what it feels like. You could probably picture it like wicker ish. Um, yeah, not too different. And not very relevant to this murder mystery. Not very relevant. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they investigate the room, and then they oversee the manager talking with Southern Belchan, Nagisa. <laughs> <laughs> You're just happy that your thing went out. My thing went out? You mean I've memified all of their uh, yeah. character traits? Yes. <laughs> yeah, he's he's got this grin on. He's very happy that we're using them. <laughs> The idols don't want to sleep here because this their friend died here not too long ago. They're talking about this curse and they want to stay in a hotel, but the manager's like, "No, we don't have money for it." Or, you know, you've got to you've got to sleep here. Yeah, well, he says all the hotels are rented out because of uh, they subtitle it as the long weekend, but I think this is supposed to be happening during Golden Week, oh, okay. which is like a, a long vacation weekend, sort of like Labor Day weekend, which is when we're recording this. Oh wow, <laughs> what, a, what a coincidence! <laughs> it's a bit of a coincidence. Yeah, and like I said, this is a summer resort town, so that's like. Somewhat believable. Uh, Rega gets very suspicious when they ask her about Misuzu Hikawa. So the, we learned there, there was another member of the idol group that had died. Cursed Idol-chan. <laughs> she died three months ago. But Reika doesn't want to tell us why. I wonder how, uh, like, on purpose it is that they call this episode, you know, the episode of the Cursed Idol and play that up, where you think of a cursed idol as, like, a golden statue that Indiana Jones is stealing. Yeah. But this time it's about uh, a dead girl. Is that a joke in Japanese or just in English? I don't know. Mm. This is also where we catch a glimpse at Nanami who's hiding in the Gedzilla costume. It's not literally an inflatable T-Rex costume. It's probably not inflatable, but it's probably got like the kind of mobility you would have in one of those inflatable (laughs) T-Rex costumes. Now I want an inflatable T-Rex costume. So can someone tell me what had happened to Mizuzu Hikawa? Because the manager tells us about that next. Uh, Well, I, I guess we get the real truth of it later on. Or yeah. more in-depth. But basically, a few months ago, they were all staying in a hotel. Uh, and it's like a haunted, uh, cursed hotel. But And she was freaked out. 
and then they just sort of discover her after hearing a scream, having fallen uh, down like this very steep wall and just kind of dying on the rocks below. And it's like, is there foul play? Probably, because that's the kind of anime this is. It's clearly very related. Mm -hmm. They said that it's her spirit that's cursing it, and that's kind of the sense of foreboding. And this is around the point where I get the sense that another murder is going to happen. I mean, it's not very surprising on this show, but they're like all starting to go to their rooms for the night, and you just know they're like showing you things that are going to be important later because someone's going to get murdered. Mm Mm-hmm. Keen, how close like were you paying attention? Because because we've watched a lot of this, so I was like, "Oh, I'm watching what people are saying. I'm watching what people are doing. I think someone's going to get murdered." What, what were you were you looking for stuff like that at this point? Uh, the 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 big thing that I was kind of seeing. Uh, I'm not sure if you mentioned it or not, but like, uh, Q was talking about how how like off. Wait, wait what was what was uh Rekha's, uh meme name? Oh, client jump. Client jump. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> how nervous client jump was, and I think within a few minutes he started mentioning uh, a certain smell, and I think uh, I think his partner was like uh, saying stop being creepy, but like the smell thing was like a big thing for him, and he just held on to it throughout the whole episode. That was an interesting clue. Yeah, I was I was clocking a few things. Uh, there's this whole thing of like which room is Q gonna sleep in. He has taken the tr- uh, he like hitchhiked a truck out here he doesn't even arrange a place to stay because because keen like i said the only thing on his mind is solving mysteries Mm -hmm. um so so he's like bouncing around he encounters all this stuff um they find reika who's like not doing great she's got allergies she's got these pills she's gonna take and the manager tells her to lock up the room and kind of messes with her coat rack Mm mm-hmm um, and I think we can d- d- drill into the allergies now because this ends up being a red herring. So let's get that out of the way. It looks like maybe someone had poisoned her by giving her these pills. So there's a whole to do of who gave her the pills. How did she get the pills? Like that's a good way to kill someone inside a locked room is if you poison them with something you give them before the room is locked. Well, the, the allergy pills were important because they make you sleepy. Oh, they do make you sleepy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they make you sleepy. Uh, but they did not end up being responsible for her murder. Q and Yukihira are going to sleep in the same room together with a convenient sheet to separate them. Well, first, high school dropout Chan tries to get Q to like yeah. sleep in his in her room with him. And she's being all like, don't be a perv. And then, yeah, manager Sam walks up with his stick. And he's like, uh, no. <laughs> and that's a, that's a thing uh, where apparently idols are mostly forbidden to date. So I think they were channeling that sort of thing where the manager is like patrolling to make sure none of them are doing anything oh. in the night. Oh, weird. Yeah. Well, right. It's like, how can the fans imagine dating you if you're actually dating someone else? Right. Oh, damn. <laughs> well, X, well, not, not giving anything away, that that opens up. That makes sense now, the further we go down, now, now that I know that. When we finally learn yeah. all the motivations mm-hmm. behind what's going yep. on. Mm-hmm. I had that same thought. I was like, oh, I'm glad Mike shared that context. <laughs> <laughs> but they don't go to sleep. There's all these nighttimey sounds too. There's like a wolf howling, mm-hmm. and something's bogging Q. That's the way Reiko was, so he decides to go check on her. Yep. And sure enough, she's not breathing. They can see her through her little tiny window, mm-hmm. but they have to bust down the door. And Mike, you were very excited when you watched them bust down the door. Oh yeah, because uh, there's this very brief frame uh, yes. when they're kicking the door open, just for like a second, where we see. Uh, you know, Cactus Sensei in the Godzilla costume helping them. <laughs> <laughs> but they don't notice. Yeah. 
Keen, did that make did that all make sense to you? I'm watching this and I'm like, is this going to be confusing? Uh, I'll be honest with you, like while I was watching it, it didn't make a damn bit of sense because I remember seeing, I remember seeing, I think they treated him like a statue that was like down the hallway. I think, right. And when I seen him help kick it, I'm like. Wait, why the fuck was the, the I'm sorry for cursing so much, but why the hell was that uh was that Godzilla helping? I didn't do anything about it, but yeah, I do remember that frame. That frame was hilarious. Yeah, you're welcome to curse. We have an explicit rating despite my personal clean mouth. So <laughs> if you want to earn that for us, you're welcome to. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a pretty funny thing that happened. And there's more of that to come. There's more of that. There's more of that. Every moment he appears is outrageous in one way or the other. Yeah. Um, she's not quite dead. She's she's not breathing. They take her to the hospital. They they give her CPR and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the the police come to start investigating. So this is where we really talk about who had the the allergy. It was Natsumi, who was the older one that had given her the medication. Yukihira thinks later that maybe that the person who knew about the allergy medication is guilty. I really like Nagisa Southern Belle. Shows up late. <laughs> Yeah, she she has no alibi. She was out in a park practicing lines. <laughs> but the the part I like is they're like, well, can, can anyone vouch for you that you were there? And she's like, well, no one saw me there, but I have my script with me. <laughs> <laughs> Which ends up outing her, actually, because Yukihira looks at the script and notices, so since uh, Southern Belchon has lived in America, she never learned kanji in high school. I'll explain this for, because it might not have made a whole lot of sense to, to anyone watching it. Without context. I was like 70%. Yeah. So I previously mentioned on a previous episode, Furikana, this idea of the kanji are hard. There are a lot of them. If you don't know what they sound like or what they mean, then you don't know. Whereas there's a phonetic alphabet where you can, you know, uh, hiragana, where you just, you hear the pronunciation, you might know the word. So her manager has written for all the kanji in her script, Furikana on the side. And Yuki, uh, Yukihira sort of uh, notices this. And in the threatening letter that uh, Dead Sister-chan had received, all of the kanji have had the right-hand side cut off because they had furikana written on them to help her read them. Which is not evidence, but she admits to it anyway. It's not evidence. It's also really stupid to leave a note that way. (laughs) (laughs) It's stupid for both. Yeah, go buy another magazine that you haven't written in. (laughs) Cheapskate. (laughs) I... you already mentioned that this next scene, which is the snack break that they have, but there are two new pieces of information. Mm-hmm. The first one is the smell that we already talked about, this, the smell in Reika's room. And the second one is the surprising truth behind Yukihira's identity. Which couldn't have meant much to you, uh, Keen, <laughs> because you didn't know who Don was. So <laughs> I didn't, didn't have a damn clue. He's like, he's like the, the um, Dumbledore of detective school. Mm. Yeah. So she's like Dumbledore's niece. And she wants to take over for him. Q really is in line to take over for him. So that's why she's like really dead set on challenging him. The last thing that happens in this episode, they go to the th- the this first of two episodes. Well, okay, there's like two more things. They go to the theater and they notice dry ice. And that gives Yukihira an idea of how this was done, which she then summons everybody together to tell them. And this is one of those things. We've had this in a previous episode where a character has an idea and brings everyone together and is just wrong. And it's like a big waste of everyone's time. But she's saying they put dry ice into the room. The CO2 would pool on the bottom of the floor and suffocate the person. But they try it uh, to demonstrate it by snuffing out a candle. But all the CO2 is being pulled away in a vent. Mm -hmm. Also, the room wasn't cold when they discovered it. So it's a really 
not very plausible idea. Yep. I love the fact that they stood there and waited for 30 minutes. That, that was amazing <laughs> to me. I would have left him like five. Like, this is bullshit. I'm out. <laughs> right? Well, also at this point, she has a little bit of credibility because uh, she has identified herself uh, as being a, D- a DDS student, which right. Q has not. Despite still being a child, she's 17. Right, because uh, Don has made it like clear to Q and the members of Class Q that like, don't throw DDS around. People will, yes, people will respect you, but then they'll like, they'll look at you differently, or you might, you they'll know, command respect up. that you don't deserve. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Don't abuse it, is what they're saying. Yeah, totally. I keep saying there's two more things left, but now there's literally two more things. Left. <laughs> the first is Q makes a discovery. He goes into the room with Momo. He's like, I'm going to search every inch of this room. Have you nicknamed Momoko Momo? He call, they call her Momo. Don't oh, do they? they call her Momo chan? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Because Momo is Peach. Oh. Which is like a little pervy. It's fun to... Oh. Oh, I see. <laughs> In Japanese? If you're calling a, a little girl Momo-chan, it's probably a little pervy. I don't know. I don't know. <sighs> Fine. Okay. We'll stick with... What was your What was your name for her? Oh, uh, High School Dropout-chan? Okay. High School Dropout-chan. He's in her room. And he's like, I'm going to search every inch. And he doesn't notice that she's wearing a swimsuit, but he does notice the coat rack. Yeah. Well, then he also... He goes straight up to her like chest level and is like staring at her and he's like, I don't see anything. And it becomes a flat chested joke. Ugh. Put another put another penny in our side jar. Yeah. So that's the one thing that happens. And the last thing that happens is Yukihira is searching through the trash. Through what's apparently a trash incinerator, actually. Mm-hmm. She finds a yellow piece of plastic and then she gets knocked out from behind. By a shadowy figure with like a cute haircut. Yeah. To be continued. All right, we're moving on to the second episode, and this is going to be a lot of fun because, boy, do things get wacky and wild real quick. No, what's the, what's the title of the second episode? Is I didn't write it down because I'm a fool. Is it Nemesis Pluto? Yes, Pluto. <laughs> that, that symbol that's been floating around in the opening and ending theme that we clocked earlier is now in an episode title. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. Keen, I mean, we bring on a different person each time, so they're usually confused about what's been going on in the show, but... This episode, this is really interesting because they've been building towards this in some ways, but also this is the first we're hearing any of the stuff that happens in this episode. We've never really heard about Pluto or anything before, so hopefully that all makes sense. Yeah, like, <laughs> as soon as I heard like a, another planet, I was like, oh, that sounds evil. So yeah, I was ready to go for it. And I would like to note that this episode starts as a literal trash fire. It does. <laughs> <laughs> Which Q smells, he finds the burning piece of plastic, the thing that Yukihiri had discovered earlier. And somehow, finding that there leads him to know that Yukihiro was kidnapped, despite yeah. finding no physical evidence of it. Yeah, he intuits that she's in danger, and I'm like, that's nonsense. It's important, because otherwise he wouldn't look for her. Yeah, the basic idea is, why, are, why would the perpetrator do this now instead of later, when we haven't found them? Uh, it's because they were panicking, so if they were panicking, they probably did something drastic. Yeah, and... The kidnapping plot to get rid of her is is pretty 1940s gangster. Yeah, it's like he she didn't get tied to a railroad track, but she almost might as well have been. Yeah. They tie her up. They put her in this crate. They take her on this cart through the countryside to a lake. They put the cart with cinder blocks on a raft. They set the raft out on the river and then puncture the raft with a pin so that she's going to sink into the middle of the river. <laughs> um, but can Q find her in time? Uh, fortunately, yes, because uh, enter the DDS BS watch full of 
gizmos that we didn't know about before, except we did see it in an early episode when Don, who we didn't know anything about at the time, used it to grapple hook up onto a cliff. He had a watch, (laughs) but now we learn about this watch. I love gadgets. This gadget is dumb. It makes no sense. (laughs) The, The watch has a seemingly endless supply of little paintball pellets that drop onto the ground and leave not just like a little splatter, but an arrow mark. And also has butterfly pheromones in it. <laughs> they attract butterflies. <laughs> it's such a stupidly specific thing. It's a good thing they're out in the countryside where there's a lot of butterflies, isn't it? Am I the only one that thought it looked like the watch from Digimon that they used to actually like... Oh, it it did have a little bit of Digivice energy. Yeah, yeah it was gray. It had the right sort of shape, mm-hmm. uh, the right number of buttons. This sequence is pretty exciting compared to, you know the level usual level of excitement on the show but q is also like really weirdly distracted he's like he calls megu up on the phone and then he hangs up and then he starts to run and then he stops and then he like sees paint cans and then he stops and it turns out he's doing some stuff that turns out to be useful right like they sort of they take half the steps he takes during this process and has him do them off screen and then explains them shortly after to create this weird sort of manufactured suspense. Yeah. That just ends up being a little crazy. But it all culminates to Q getting to the lake just as the box is sinking into it. And this, I think, was my probably... There were a couple moments that that brought me great joy. This episode is not something I would get rid of if we downsize our apartment because it did spark joy in me. <laughs> oh, great. Because Q's like, I got to rescue her and he jumps into the lake. But one thing we do know about Q from earlier episodes is he can't swim. <laughs> I was not aware of that fact. Uh, so <laughs> the fact that he did it, uh, I enjoy even more now. Yeah, don't even worry about it. Q also forgot he can't swim. <laughs> yeah, he, he's like six feet away from the edge of the lake. He's just jumped in and he's just flailing his arms. He's like, and, wait, I don't and know And the box is continuing to sink. <laughs> uh, fortunately, um, our other members of class Q arrived to save the day. Now, uh, Keen, you only got to see these characters for about half an episode. I always like to ask people, like, what's your take on the different characters? Um, and you have a very small sample size. But let's, I'm, I'm curious what you make of the, the, uh, the four new people in class Q. All right. So I think the tall, dark-haired one might be Q's, like, best friend, I think. Not percent sure. Because he seems like, he seems like he has a, a lot of, uh, uh, Kubara energy from um, oh, I forgot what it's called. Oh, Yu Yu Hakusho. Yes, he has a lot of that. Like big, yeah. tall, dumb, but he's like there to help. Um, I feel like the short one is obviously the tech wizard because he he, he or she has like the the laptop at the start of the uh in the, in the intro and like the, the the title credits. Yeah, I think Q is attracted to pink hair, but I'm not hundred percent sure. Um. <laughs> And I think blue hair is like their their Sasuke. Like he's crowned like a genius possibly in solving the solving mysteries. But that's just looking at. Him. I'm not 100 sure. Yeah, no, he's the Sasuke for sure. Those nice. are pretty good reads. <laughs> nice. I feel like uh, we, first of all, we should get little cards that say like honorary detective to give to our guests. <laughs> but you definitely earned yours. <laughs> yes. Cause, cause, yeah, you you caught a lot of stuff. Kinta, who's the tall one, is definitely like set up as a buddy to Q. I mean, they didn't know each other before the start of the show, um, but his other trait is being like action guy. So he knows some level of martial arts, and he's the one that jumps into the lake and he rescues Yukihira. 
and they pull him out of the water and uh, they they explain how they got there in time. They were already on their way because it would be unbelievable if they got his message. But <laughs> they got the message and then they went to look for them. They also followed the trail of butterflies. Q had painted a message on the side of a building that said, SOS, I've been kidnapped, followed the paint with the butterflies to try to get someone else to help. <laughs> That's why he was distracted by paint. Yeah. Um, and now that they're all here, they're going to go figure out the mystery. Keen, I didn't think about it before, but you said you thought Yukihiro was into Q, and she did, like, give him this big hug. Yeah. When he rescues her. Yeah, instantly. So, yeah. Also, she was terrified. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> someone, someone shipping them somewhere. She was in that, like, terrifying, yeah, drowning situation where you're in a little box and it's filling up with water. Oh, yeah. One of two very terrifying death scenarios that would make me freak the hell out in this uh, series of episodes. And then there's uh, then there's the walrus in the lake. <laughs> I enjoy the walrus. That was that was a good move. <laughs> yeah, Nanami's hanging out in a walrus costume. He's like, I would have saved her. Don't worry, everybody. That's the part where I was like, oh, I get it. He's here so that we never actually think children are in danger, even though it's a cartoon and they're allowed. They're not actually in danger because they don't exist. So I think it's fine. But. <laughs> Well, they exist because we care about them. It's to make Don maybe look a little bit more responsible. I don't know. Yeah. I love that he got two new disguises in this these two episodes. He got his Godzilla disguise and his walrus costume. Why did he need to be disguised as a walrus to jump into the lake and save her from the box? Why did he ever need to be a cactus? <laughs> <laughs> the, the big important questions. So um, they all kind of chat with each other. Kinta gets a video phone call from Don, the head of the detective school, Mm -hmm. um, which basically he's just like, at this point, you should reveal yourselves and figure it out. But I just love that he got this like grainy video phone call on a little video phone. (laughs) Um, But they they pretty much know who did it and how. So they're going to they're going to catch him. Yeah. So they they don't have evidence. So Don uh, officially uh, dictates that they should out themselves as DDS members and essentially entrap (laughs) <laughs> the uh, murderer, yeah. which works perfectly. Yeah. So the police gather up all the suspects just to tell them that Reka is going to recover and should be uh, ready to make a statement tomorrow. Uh-oh. Clearly a trap. Time to panic and try to murder her. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know, like, if I can... I mean, I can express because we're going to talk about all the things that happen in the next, like, five minutes of anime, but boy... There are a lot of things here. It was very dense. <laughs> uh, like how many people pull a mat? How many people pull something off of their head and reveal something underneath? There's there like were three or four different. There were times so this many happens. people hiding in this hospital room. That was my favorite part. <laughs> that too. That was my favorite part. <laughs> people keep coming out from behind curtains. They keep ripping off wigs and face masks. It's like four in a row. <laughs> Well, yeah, but that's how they reveal the perpetrator, not by revealing who they are, but by gradually having every person who isn't the murderer having been hiding somewhere in the room for no reason. So the culprit (laughs) comes in and tries to kill the person in the hospital bed. Mm -hmm. In this glasses and hat and cloak setup, which if you saw that walking through a hospital, you'd be like, wait, stop, you're suspicious. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But the person in the bed looks like the the girl that was dead idol chan dead dead cursed idol chan yeah not the cursed one the, oh no dead sister chan dead right. sister chan yeah the one who was murdered in the locked room 
Uh, and so he's like, the, the killer is really caught off guard and says out loud, I thought I killed you. This is our first mask that comes off because it's not the dead sister. It's Q with a mask. We've officially crossed the line into these ex- these uh, completely unbelievably realistic masks yeah. being an accepted trait of this world. So here's my question, because we're getting a couple of these revelations. How surprised were you when this mask came off and Q was underneath? And we'll, we'll check again on the later ones. I'll say this. The first reveal, I wasn't super surprised. Like, uh, yeah, I wasn't surprised by Q. I wasn't surprised. The, down the line, I, I, I was surprised, yes. But not, not Q. It's fun, though. It's like, it's, it's a fun trick, I guess. The culprit is wearing a hat and glasses and looks like the oldest idol character mm-hmm. at first glance. But I mm-hmm. wrote down right away, I think this is the manager in a wig. Yeah, I hadn't completely figured out all the mechanics, but since he did a thing that I clocked, I was like, well, that was probably set up. So I had him figured as the murderer pretty early on. And so Q starts to reveal the solution. Right away, the other members of Class Q come into the room. And then at various points throughout the thing, people step out from behind the curtains, the different idols who are suspects, until everyone's in the room. And it's interesting because usually they start by pointing their finger at someone and identifying the culprit. So this time they're they're trying to play with it like you don't know who it is. And each time someone's revealed, that person is eliminated from suspicion. Yeah, I guess the game here uh, is... You thought it was one of the idols, so here's all the idols, one at a time. It's none of them. One at a time. (laughs) (laughs) Hiding behind this never-ending hospital curtain. So it was the manager all along. Uh, Michael, you were particularly terrified by this death, so I think that means you need to explain it. And you should explain it the same way Kinta does, by getting a birdcage, a quail egg, and a beach ball. No, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) If we had quail eggs, uh, I would cook it and eat it, because I haven't had... uh, a quail egg skewer uh, from Chinatown since quarantine, and I miss them. Uh, but anyway, that's such an arbitrary Wait, thing to have said. Wait, why don't we just get a quail coop? Oh, God. <laughs> and keep some quails. Quails probably smell bad, right? Like, they probably know. smell like so. bird poop. Yeah. We have a one-room apartment. <laughs> Although we will have a weird, like, roof access thing in our next apartment. Anyway, that's so yeah. arbitrary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so the murder. Uh, <laughs> so most of what Yukihira uh, had deduced about the murder was correct. It had to do with it being a sealed room and using drugs to make sure that the person was asleep or at least very sluggish and laying on the floor and mostly out of it. Uh, and so what the manager did was he got one of the big balloons that we saw during the concert event and he inflated it inside the room from outside the room through the bars uh, until it filled the whole room and essentially like suffocated, uh, suffocated the victim like a smothering, like yeah. smothering, which is terrifying. Yeah. If you were to wake up and you were being smothered to death, like uh, definitely one of my top uh, like no thank you murders. But Michael, everyone loves balloons. <sighs> Ugh. Uh, but yeah, the the big miscalculation here is he sort of rushed to do it this a second time, but. Uh, client chan had left her light on because she was terrified of getting murdered ironically ironically uh no pretty uh deservedly (laughs) and so that burned the plastic of the balloon which produced the smell which q had been talking about in the previous episode yeah yeah and it all makes sense how did he get the balloon out of the room after it burned i guess he pulled it back out the window you just deflated again yeah so now we get our victim our, our perpetrator sob story it turns out it was the manager and he pulls off his wig and glasses, and it's and it's like, 
It's the manager. Gasp. Previously, we've had a moratorium about talking about Scooby-Doo on this podcast. Um, you could you could check out our episodes ten and eleven to see exactly why that how that worked out. But I I just I have to. There was there's nothing that has happened on this show that is more like Scooby Doo than the manager taking off his wig and glasses and everybody <laughs> being like, "It's the manager." Who what what do we think about his sob story? Do we sympathize with him? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh damn. Uh I don't I don't side with him. But I can kind of see the rage that could build up from it, especially like the way he found out about what happened. Yeah. So basically, the manager had a secret relationship with Cursed Idolchan. Right. Uh, and so he's like got these feelings of revenge against Client Chan and Dead Sister Chan because he found out that they were wearing ghost costumes to scare her, and that's what caused her to die. Yeah, she fell. Like, they didn't try to murder because her. they were running away. But they caused it to happen. Yeah. And didn't tell anyone. Yep. But he also felt guilty because he wasn't with her. She was scared that night, and he couldn't be with her because they have to be have, keep their relationship a secret. And he was like, maybe if we had just been true to ourselves, I could have been with her. Yeah, so he's so, guilty. Really, he's he was mad. just blaming himself. Yeah. It's tragic, but also, like, you're murdering people. I feel like the episode has probably already gone off the rails at this point. Yeah, but it goes further off the rails. Right. It's like, what's the next metaphor? First you go off the rails, then then the train explodes. This is the part where the train explodes. <laughs> and I'll say this was confusing to me a little bit when it first happened. I was like, what is happening here? Um, there's, like, a face in shadow, and it says... Yeah, there's a weird echoey voice that's like... Oh, what a, like basically being disappointed in her client, as, as the voice says, which we later figure out what that means. But it basically compulses, seemingly instantly, one of the other girls to grab a knife and try to murder the manager. The oldest idol. Yeah. Grabs a knife, stabs the manager, and then later she's like, I don't know what I was doing. It's not enough to kill him. We then see a woman on an elevator who's holding a mask mm -hmm. and uh, there's oh my, I'd like there's so many moving parts here it's like this I pick up off the table the puzzle that I've been trying to put together which I haven't been able to put together it's like all these moving pieces <laughs> so so that she's going down the elevator she's holding a wig and we see the real high school dropout Chan. high school dropout Chan. yeah she's been lured down to this like abandoned wing because someone told her a friend of hers was in the hospital and so apparently this random woman was disguised as high school dropout Chan, and they sort of cross paths in the elevator and then the nami steps out and he's like hold on miss hypnosis or miss pluto he gives her two nicknames yeah but i think he just calls her like miss hypnosis to be like so to explain to the audience real quick that she hypnotized someone? Yeah, she hypnotized the person who attacked the the culprit and made that suggestion for her so that she would do it. Yeah, which is the closest thing to a superpower we've had inserted into this anime, instant so, hypnosis. So let's let's take a quick step back. So we had Q, who was disguised as the dead girl in the bed. And then we had the culprit, who was disguised as an idol, coming in to try to kill him. And then all of the idols came out from behind the curtains, but one of them was actually this green-haired lady in disguise. <laughs> Meanwhile, Nanami is disguised as Godzilla because he first walks up to her as Godzilla and then reveals his disguise. <laughs> Where is Dana Carvey when you need him? <laughs> uh, uh, and this, we had a bit of an anime fight. Uh-huh. It definitely was like a, a, a real shift 
I'll, I'll even say this. I might have picked up my phone or something, but I do not remember uh, green-haired Pluto being disguised as the young young high school dropout jaunt. And now I'm thinking, now I'm thinking, how long was she switched? Because if you remember, it was one scene when Q was in uh, Dropout John's room and noticed her chest was flat when earlier her chest was full. Was <gasps> green hair there? Was that her? Oh my goodness. I didn't think of that, but that's true. And also, oh. was, was Miss Pluto trying to lure Q into another room so that he wouldn't learn about the murder that was happening that night? I didn't think of that either, but that makes a lot of sense too. Wowzers. I think yeah. I, th- I think you figured something out. Moving part. Yeah, it's not explicitly said. Like even when the part where I said that it's revealed that she was hitting at hiding as her, like you only have to you can only piece that together because she's holding a wig and Momo walks past her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she's been swapping in and out this whole episode. God, I didn't even think of that. What craziness! Wow. Jesus, I wouldn't have thought of that <laughs> without that perspective. All right, you can get a second honorary detective. (laughs) (laughs) We're giving you all of our honorary detective cards today. Thank you. So he almost catches her. They have this fight. They're throwing knives. They're flipping through the air. He, like, grabs her wrist and then with with a cord, and then a police officer shows up, and the person escapes. Yeah, I also wrote down that uh, Nanami found time in the middle of a knife fight to be sexist. Because, like, they were in the middle. Like, she was trying to stab him. He's dancing around, and he's like... Oh, maybe you would have pulled it off you if you were acted a little bit cuter. Yeah, I, I, didn't, like, I didn't. I didn't like that. It was. I mean, what kind of yeah, that was weird. sexist nonsense? <laughs> Less ladylike or something like that with the knife or something like yeah, it was wild. Yeah, I I think I was my jaw was just still on the floor from all of these revelations and I didn't clock that. Yeah. That's uncomfortable. Yeah, for sure. Yep. So let's wrap this episode up. The first thing is this weird wrap up we get with the killer. He has a vision of his sister, but then he doesn't die. He yeah, comes back this is our life. second murderer waking up and having this weird vision where we're supposed to sympathize with him a little bit. Yeah. When was the last one? What case was that? Well, this was when we were, we're trying to sympathize with the uh, the train alibi murderer, and then he has this weird like, oh, the void victim, vision like, and the wakes up in the hospital up. Yeah, room. that was just last episode. That's yeah. what I thought. Yeah. That wasn't the culprit. That was the victim. Oh, true. Yeah. Who woke up. Well, he was... A jerk, though. He was a jerk. <laughs> Jerks, trains, culprits waking up from comas. Check out last episode if you missed it. And then the, all the idols come to visit and also all of Class Q. Yeah, they all come to visit him and they're like, are you okay? And I'm like, we hated this guy five minutes ago, I feel like. <laughs> and now we learn a little bit about what Pluto is and how this all came together. Yeah, so the manager was essentially approached by this dude who's like, I'll hook you up with this organization. And if you give them half your assets, they'll plan the perfect murder for you. And he was supposed to go according to plan, but when he didn't, they tried to kill him. Right. This is interesting because the writer slash director of this series also does the Kindaichi Case Files series. Mm -hmm. And in that series, I haven't watched all of it, but... The the detective's main nemesis is called like the puppeteer of death, and his thing is finding people and giving them perfect murder plans and coaching them through murder. Oh, really? So it's the same plot device. It's the same thing because <laughs> it lets you have one kind of nemesis again and again and again, but 
get to also have a full lineup of suspects and not just be the that person in a mask every time or something. And also sort of explain how you have this inexplicable world where everyday people have these extremely elaborate murder plans. Extremely elaborate. Like <laughs> this was pretty low on the scale of elaborateness. Mm. But it's it's pretty clear because Ryu is actually grilling the manager about this organization and it's clear that he knows something about it and he's not talking. So I think my assertion from before that Ryu is connected to this I guess the tattoo and Pluto and all that uh, is a thing. Well, we will. I'm sure we will see more about that. Yeah. It's going to make it very much harder to bring on mystery guests to like t- tell things for people that may not have listened to previous episodes. Yeah, I'm sure for you, Keen, this Pluto business was probably complete nonsense. Well, it was for, nonsense for us too. Yeah, I mean, yes and no. Uh, complete nonsense, but like expect not expected, but like I'm not surprised by the nonsense of yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We we've gotten to the end of the episode. What what was it like watching this? Uh, it it, it reminded me. It's gonna sound weird, but it reminded me of watching uh, Law and Order when I was younger, because they would parade all of these suspects out in front of you, but almost every fucking time, it's literally the first or second person you see did it. <laughs> and I'm, I'm a positive manager son was like the second person you saw after uh client joined. So like, it kind of followed that to the T. Cause like you, 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 you yeah, I'm going to say it. It feels like you waste, you waste time meeting and learning about all these other parts of it. But it's like, Nope, come all the way back. And it's right there. The first person is like, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I used to deliver stuff, but uh, yeah, I don't know him that well. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you deliver all the time. <laughs> that was the, I'm sorry, that was like almost every other episode of SVU. Or actually, original yeah. Law and Order was worse, so yeah. Yeah, it's like uh, the uh, convolution of Occam's Razor, essentially. Like, it's always the simplest thing, but we try to hide it behind all these complicated threads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Like I said, there was like a lot of anime nonsense going on in these two episodes, so I, I think I've decided that my favorite part was when Q jumped into the water and couldn't swim. <laughs> Did other people have like a standout moment or or like a part that was really exciting or fun or enjoyable? I mean, I loved, you know, Nanami in the Godzilla costume just appearing for a single frame to kick down the door and then being on the other side of the hallway in the next frame. <laughs> I enjoyed the uh, reveal scene in the, um, yeah. in the hospital room. One, uh, it's cool that the hospital gives you an apple not cool that like there's a knife around all that viable medical equipment oh yeah yeah (laughs) oh was there an apple yeah okay so uh there's a there's a japanese trope or like tradition where you bring uh people fruit when they're in the hospital and there's some some old myth where like if you peel an apple for them and you manage to peel the entire apple in one piece they'll get better oh no and if you don't it's your fault (laughs) i don't know wow (laughs) I don't think it's quite that dark. Yeah. I I like I generally like the reveal scenes at the end. I mean cuz it's where everything comes together. This one had so many reveals. It was it was super fun. Yeah, sure. I almost think uh can I spoil uh Murder on the Orient Express for everybody listening? I would prefer you didn't. Okay, I won't. Never mind. <laughs> Murder on the Orient Express classic Agatha Christie has a couple different movie yeah. adaptations. Well, I'll say this scene was like a reverse of the big reveal from that, and that's all I'll say. Mm. Okay. I don't know. I'm happy to spoil it, but not in the middle of another episode. So could you see yourself watching more of this? And like, if you were encountering this as a kid, like on the TV, along with Dragon Ball Z, would it be something? So like, would you watch more now? And would you have liked it as a kid? 
I definitely would watch more now, but as a child, it would probably be too boring for me. And <laughs> there was there's no one flying, there's no superpowers, and there's no random animal electrocuting something. So no, I'll probably wouldn't watch it <laughs> as a child. So Younger Keen's uh Amazon review is needs more Pikachu. Yes. Thrilling. Uh, I, for one, am, am excited to see what happens next week on um, a case that's all about someone breaking into Megu's apartment. And uh... Oh, no. <laughs> We've already had so much perviness and sexism in this episode. It doesn't seem very exciting, but I'm very excited to talk about it because, you know, we'll, we'll have a great guest. We'll break it down and we'll see how it fills into the other things. Um, I got to find someone <laughs> that will want to see what's probably a less exciting episode like keen i was so excited to have you for this and then i was watching it and i was like hey this is good i'm enjoying this i hope keen is enjoying it too um there's been some flop episodes (laughs) filler episodes are the worst oh totally hey if you've got thoughts about flops and filler episodes you can send those notes in an email to dying message podcast on gmail at gmail.com we'll read them on the podcast answer your questions your theories and all of that and if you are an aspiring idol who uh wants to sing the opening to an anime or who wants to sing the opening to our podcast send us a a clip <laughs> we'll play it <laughs> sure <laughs> I did not know where you were going with that. Neither did I. I started speaking and then I got somewhere. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, Keen, it's been great having you on. Um, I, I, I'm glad we got to talk about some of the anime you watch because there's definitely some stuff in there that I haven't seen before. So it's cool to hear about that. And uh, for folks that are looking to have to follow up to find you places, where should they look? Uh, I'm on all the social sites at Keen Cobb, K-E-A-N-E-C-O-B-B, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, I'll be talking about a lot of different things, including, uh, my takes on current sporting stuff, social justice going on in the world, uh, and dumb jokes about me being lonely. So please give your boy a follow. Yeah. And Keen, if I'm sure someday we'll encounter like a, uh, sports murder mystery. So... We'll keep another pile of little honorary detective cards. Thank you. Just in case. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for joining us and chatting about this um, and watching the, watching the two episodes with us. Listeners, thank you for listening. We really enjoy making this podcast and sharing it with you. And you can help spread the word, get more folks listening. The most important thing you can do, wherever it is that you listen to this, rate, review, subscribe. That just uh, lets people know that you enjoyed the podcast so that they will check it out and enjoy it too. You can connect with us, uh, Dying Message Podcast on Facebook, at Dying Message Pod on Twitter. And uh, keep tuning in because we're moving right through this and we've got some exciting stuff coming up down the horizon oh but before we go of course we can't go without asking keen about um the case of the lost lion king keen what happened there how did that mystery play out oh man uh the mystery took a few years to to be solved but the whole thing basically here's what happened uh i was about i think it was like eight seven or eight or yeah about, about eight um and my aunt she allowed me to use her blockbuster card so that shows you how old i am to rent um 
Lion King or the Lion King on Sega Genesis. So I rented it, I played it, had fun. But when it was time to take the game back, uh, here's where the mystery comes in. Couldn't be found. I had no idea where it was. Uh, I was blamed. I was. I got in trouble for it. And for the life of me, I'm like, yo, I, I kept telling them, like, I don't know where it is. I left it like right there in the system. I don't know where it is. Years down the line, come to find out, my older cousin lent that same game out to one of his friends for like two or three nights. Um, so I got in trouble for something that I had nothing to do with. And that's part of the reason why I hate my cousin now. So, yeah, <laughs> that's the whole mystery. But you're not going to murder him. No, of course not. That'd be silly. <laughs> Who lends out a, a rental? Right? That's, yeah. that's irresponsible. Um, it's funny because I was thinking, like, there's a lot of blockbuster nostalgia. And it most it's mostly about VHS tapes and DVDs. But, yeah, definitely, like... Video games, yeah. Video game rental was a thing, too. Yeah. I rented an N64 once. You could rent Before I had one. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. It was like 20 bucks for a week or something. And then the other thing about Blockbuster is the snacks. <laughs> like you would get candy or popcorn or something. Mm-hmm. You Probably not me because my parents weren't usually swayed. <laughs> what, what are our Blockbuster snacks? Well, so I didn't have really Blockbuster snacks. We had a shittier uh, West Coast video right at the top of our street. That's where we got our video store snacks. Uh, and we, we would get frozen Charleston chews. Nice. And we would get uh, Airheads. What about you, Keen? Any any good blockbuster snack memories? Uh, anything? Was it Jujubees? I think the super oh, yeah. gummy candy kind of th- or uh, fruit fruit flavor candy. Um, and then I loved my favorite thing. Some weird because my dad loved raisins, so I love raisins. So I love raisinets. They were like one of my favorites. <gasps> I love raisinets. Yes. One of the many ways in which Blockbuster was cheaper than the movie theater. (laughs) And that closes the case on this week's Dying Message, the Detective Anime Mystery Podcast. Episode 16, in which we buy an inflatable T-Rex costume. Podcast cover art created by Miriam Bloom. Music excerpted from Solve the Damn Mystery by Jesse Spillane. Thank you again to our mystery guest, Keen Cobb. Coming up, what could make Megu invite Class Q over for dinner? Who would have the bad luck of breaking into Megu's apartment? Will Megu's sister ever forgive her for the mess? All that and more when we next examine the scene of the crime for that fatal note, the dying message. I don't know if I gave you the heads up, Keen. Did you stick around after the credits and catch that little scene? I did, but now I can't remember exactly what happened. But yeah, I I do remember watching it. Here's the thing. I remember seeing that, but the big thing, the big takeaway was the postcard thing for the for the album. That's the thing that kind of like <laughs> drew, drew my attention away. You were writing down all the details. You're like, where do I got to send this to get a copy exactly. of this CD? Back in time. <laughs> um, this is a funny one. It's just Nanami dressed as Godzilla and a bunch of kids like tackle him mm-hmm. because they're so excited. Yep, which is why he's not there when real violence happens. Yeah. <laughs> you you had one job, Expo. Cactus Sensei. What's that? No, I was just saying he was stuck at the expo. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Oh, my gosh. <laughs>